There's always football in Philadelphia. One day away from the NFL draft right here in Philadelphia. And we're going to talk about whether the Eagles should take the guy who punched a woman in the face <laughs> or the other guy who punched a woman in the face. Um, how about pen relays? That's, that's coming tomorrow, too. The pen relays big are also, too. Yeah, those are the big topics. It's always soccer in, in Philadelphia as well. But, uh, you know, football and the pen relays take uh, center stage in Philadelphia this week while the Philadelphia Union get the, uh, hell, out, get the hell out get of Philly and go out to uh, Los Angeles early. Kevin Kincaid. Dave Zeitlin. Baxter is here with us. Uh, Joe Cordell is not here, but that's okay because <laughs> he's not licensed uh, in Pennsylvania anyway. So, Dave, how you doing, man? That's a good opening. I like it. Who's your pick in the college women's uh, distance medley relay tomorrow? Is that one of the categories, the, the contest? That's the marquee race of the first day. Uh, there's Villanova, who's good. Oregon's usually good. Is, how, how are the local, uh, <laughs> what is the local track and field uh scene like in the delaware valley are we, kind of <laughs> uh, <laughs> are we good <laughs> villanova has some good distance runners and then Penn is pretty good now and that's all the pen relays that our people i want to hear about people, all the people that's all they want to know okay so are you going are you doing pen relays yeah, i'm actually going okay. the first day i'm not going to do any of the draft but i usually cover all three days for the ap and csn but i have a bat mitzvah in new york city on saturday night oh, okay so i'll be at the bat mitzvah doing the electric slide trying to watch the end of the uh, union galaxy game cool It'll i will a, yeah a fun I will, saturday night for yeah me. yeah i'm planning <laughs> to go down to the draft on thursday and then i'll be at the uh, wip uh party that they're having that night and then Friday, I think I'm going to the John Kasich. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> that was because Sarah works at. Um, so we're doing CBS everything Radio except watch the Union game. <laughs> yeah, Sarah works at CBS Radio, so they have like the speaker series with yeah. um, like twelve ten PHT. So I I like going and watching um, nice. people people speak, you know, because that's the closest I can get to yeah to academia after yeah. college graduation, you know. So, um, but anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, we're here to I talk guess. about your town, your team. <laughs> I guess we'll talk about the union. Philadelphia who, Union, who, who once again did not win a soccer game. Yeah, so it's uh, so it's fifteen uh, fifteen uh, winless now, going back to last August. Um, and this one is probably the most brutal of all fifteen games, I'd say. This yeah, one might you, have stung the most. And you know, you guys were giving me shit because I showed up late to the game. Uh, I was <laughs> I was refing up in Northeast Philly. It took me like fifty minutes to get. Um, to get down there and then when i was pulling in i heard the dupe song going off and i'm sitting there thinking oh wow okay i guess yeah. i got off to a good start and then i sat in the uh I, sh- I was i was soaking wet still wearing my ref gear and i walked up into the press lounge and i just sat there and i watched the first the first half in the press lounge and they were up three to one and then when i went into uh the press box they yeah it's pretty much your fault I'd yeah. Say. yeah no but in all seriousness like we knew what was going to happen, right? Like once they're up three one, and then once Montreal scored the uh, second goal, like we all saw, it. we all, we all saw other. it. We're yeah. like, there's no way that they win this game three two. Like maybe they'll score a, a fourth goal, but everyone felt that third goal coming. There's just this black cloud like hovering over this team. And you mentioned it in the press conference, they just can't get out of their own heads right now. It does look. To, I feel like every time we sit up here and do this, or after every game, we're kind of going down the line of trying to figure out what's going wrong here. We talked about Jim and asked him about his job security, uh, and we kind of shifted focus to Ernie, and then Jay Sugarman, who's always <laughs> kind of been in the picture. But now you you see that once one thing goes wrong with them, you know it's just like the weight of the world, yeah. right? Um, you know people start pointing, and you can just feel it's it's like it's palpable. You know what? Once one single thing goes wrong, it's a domino effect, yeah. and um. Yeah, they just seem can't seem to get out of their their heads right now. I think that it's 
to the point where I, I understand why they left so early and i think that's a good idea you know because maybe you just have to get out of here and yeah clear their heads in la clear your head and refocus and sit on the beach and go you know (laughs) see the real housewives of orange county or whatever go to go to vander vanderpump uh what's what's her name in and out rules restaurant yeah yeah um but I, I just don't, yeah, because yeah. again, at this point, I mean, if you if you score three goals at home and you st- and you come out again for the second straight week, I felt like they came out with a good game plan and they stuck right. to it and they and they played it well, but that just not a, uh, just not enough, man. That's what it, that's what's interesting to me when people talk about Jim Curtin. So he's had good game plans, I feel like, and they've come out in the first half and played played really well. So you have to credit Curtin for that, and the fact that they collapse in the second half. You could blame Curtin for that, but it's kind of a weird sport like soccer. Like he can't call like a timeout and get everyone like regrouped. Like at some point the players have to just not collapse. And I guess you could blame Curtin for maybe doing too much of a kind of high press in the first half and they get tired in the end. But the fact that they play well in the first half shows me that he has a pretty good um, game plan for these games. And the fact that they keep collapsing shows me that maybe just the talent isn't quite there. I can't, you know, the people who say that they need to be mentally strong and that the coach can do something about that. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how a coach can go into 11 different minds or 14 really. And say, I don't know if there's a blanket approach to a mental right. fortitude. You know, I mean, that's just a hard, he, he can only do so much from the sidelines. I felt like the subs were fine. I didn't have an issue with the subs. You know, Fafa Picob probably should have iced the game. Yeah, he should have. Derek Jones, maybe you could say that defensive sub needs to come earlier. Um, and then Pontius, you could say he needs to leave him on for 10 more minutes or so. But, but you know, we're splitting hairs there because it's it's just – It's the players. If, if Picol scores on that goal, then everybody's saying, yeah, great sub. Yeah. You know, and, like, and I, I just don't – I when you're talking about the press and people getting gassed, you know anybody who watched New York last year, that was the problem that they had right. straight up. They'd press for 70 minutes and you'd be be dying, and then they couldn't sustain it. You know, I don't mm. know if it's Philly so much not being able to sustain it, but for for whatever reason, um, you know, those mistakes start to start to creep up around 50, 60 minutes. Yeah, and we talk about the players after the game. Ali Bedoya gave a really good press conference, and he wore his heart in his sleeve, and he was pissed, and that's that's good to see because. The Union have had guys like that in the past who we talked to post-game and they'd be pissed. There was Caliph, there was Moby, there was like Shane and Williams. And now I feel like they don't have as much of that. Like they don't – do you feel like they maybe need like more guys like Ali Bedoya who who are just getting pissed and just like emotional? Like I just don't feel like they have those players. It's a lot of like young guys or like foreign imports. And yeah. it just seems like in the past they've had more guys who – yeah, everybody yeah. would talk about that. I mean, it was you know, Latou would be that way. Yeah, Velko would be that way. Danny Califf would be that way. Um, yeah, and it's strange too because the locker room. I don't. I don't. Just for uh, context here, I don't think fans necessarily understand how the post game routine works. But we'll go into the the press room. Uh, they'll bring a player in, uh, and that's where we talk to Bedoya. Then they'll bring the coach in. So we'll talk to Bedoya and Jim there, and then we go into the locker room. The locker room used to kind of be a free for all, and no one's there anymore, right? Yeah, where you could go and sort of talk to anybody and guys that yeah, sort of be sitting at their it's locker a little bit. Yeah. And now, and that's not technically that hasn't. It's not like there was a policy change or anything, but now because there's a bunch of goobers who come in there and just stand around in the middle of the the locker room, they'll sort of bring guys to the media instead of the media. We used to go around from locker to locker and interview a bunch of guys, and that's kind of changed. It's not really the same anymore but yeah you don't you don't see a lot of outward yeah. emotion i see harris madunian you know looking upset on the field and making gestures on the field and stuff like that but uh yeah beyond that i mean you, you don't get the 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't. I don't. Yeah. See a ton of it otherwise. Well, well speaking of Harris uh, making uh, gestures in the field, uh, you talked. You asked Jim about that in a press conference on the first goal. He kind of pointed to the center backs to like pick up uh, Piatti, and they didn't yeah. do it. And then he kind of went nuts, like he was pissed off. So, if you want to talk about the uh, three goals Montreal scored, yeah, if you want to do it one, one by yeah, one. Yeah, that was the first yeah. one. I guess a lot of the blame falls on Harris, and some of the blame falls on on the center backs for not really uh, picking him up. I right? think he probably well. And Jim was fair in the answer there, and he said you could probably, um, you know, blame seven different guys for that one because Piatti receives the ball with his back to goal from like 40 yards out and he turns and Chris Pontius puts a body on him and can't stop him. Bedoya puts a body on him and can't stop him. And Bedoya said probably probably just should have fouled him there. Harris Maduni needs also in a position to make a play. He doesn't do anything. He does point. points to Jack Elliott <laughs> to step up. The thing is, it was Jack, an excellent point. It, it was, was very well point. strategically it w- placed point. It was. It, it was. Um, <laughs> But Jack Elliott has a, is marking somebody already, and you know if he steps up there, you yeah. know then he then Piatti's slotting a through ball for Mancosu. And let me just say this: it's Matteo Mancosu, Mancosu. The O comes before the U. Okay. Okay. I hear a bunch of like people. I, there was a national broadcast I was watching where some <laughs> guy kept going Mancuso, Mancuso. Like how the f- okay anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway. Just ran brought to you. But bye. you can say when, when you're a center back, I think generally you're taught to like kind of that the point where you leave your marker and step up is right around 20 yards is like right on the edge of the box and um you know piatti just got into that that uh underbelly right there and hit a really nice shot so he's a pretty good player and he and he's not getting paid as much as he should i think right yeah, we'll was, get to that later. <laughs> yeah we'll get yeah. to that later and so the second goal uh the cross in from uh Oyango to uh anthony jackson Hamel. yeah that was richie marquez not really getting in front of him right yeah and a lot of fans were sort of uh you know, pointing to Ray Gaddis on that one. And I had some exchanges with some people on Twitter. And, of, of course, yeah, Ray, of course, can be closer to that. But if you watch the play develop, it starts with Patrice Bernier, who hits a diagonal, not really a diagonal, but he switches field to the left side. Oyango's playing deep. He takes one touch and he puts a cross into the box. I don't know how much closer yeah. Ray can get to him. And, and Richie's not ball side uh, when it comes in. So, But, I mean, it's a great cross and a great header. Yeah. You can't – sometimes you got to give credit to the other team too. Yeah, no, it's – yeah. And then once that goal happened, that like we talked about, we all knew that third goal was coming. And then yeah, I, I turned and looked at I Ryan, guess you could, yeah. Ryan Bright, and <laughs> I saw you down like a couple seats down. Yeah. Right. yeah, I said the same thing to Matt. And yeah, the third goal, I guess some Blake, uh, some uh, blame can go to Blake, or some Blake can go to blame. However you want to say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it's just funky, too, because it was just a long ball played over the top, uh, but the, the midfield wasn't anywhere to be found, and you had a three-on-three three with Fabinho and Marquez and Elliott back there uh, with, with three attackers on him, and they win the knockdown. Shaw comes in. Blake spills it. Not the easiest save. I mean, it's still wet out there, and the ball's yeah. still bouncing. Um, can he do better? Yeah, but... Uh yeah, it's, I mean people they, they shouldn't are, yeah. be in a three on three in that situation right. anyway. And people are throwing blame at Blake. It, it makes sense. I mean, he saved them points last year, and he hasn't really made any like huge saves this year. He's That's made true. he's made a couple of mistakes, so it's it's understandable. But for me, I mean, the fact that they started on the back line: uh, Ray Gaddis, Jack Elliott, Richie Marquez, and the and the last up, Fabinho. And with Harris in front of him, who's not like a Brian Carroll-type player, I mean, like, what did they expect? Like, these are guys who were drafted in the third and fourth rounds. These are guys who were, like you said, 
it's like taking off the a second international third, scrap heap. Yeah, a second round pick, a third round pick, a fourth round pick, and a, a guy who played a 32 year old guy who came from the A League. Yeah, you know? and then you had a demon who basically told us at the beginning of the year, Harris Harris Madunin said, "quote I'm I'm not like Conte or Makalele." Right. So it's not like he's unaware of his limitations, and I don't think the co- I think the coaching staff understood what they got when they were yeah. when they signed him. But um, you have Bedoya next to him who can win and win the ball a little bit. But uh, so yeah, you know what? Everybody knows it's not like that's any big secret. Yeah, so that's like my biggest issue right now. They don't the back line right now is just not what it should be, and they have no true uh, difference maker in the attack, although Roland and CJ, I did play well this game. He did. Yeah. But it's just too many of their best players are either um, D-mids or on the wing. I feel like they're pretty deep on the wing, and they're deep in a D-mid, but they don't have a true uh, like million-dollar like a player in the attack, and their back line is just they're not spending much money there either, right? No, and uh, I think it's funny that they sit there and tell us that they recruited players specifically to fit the system because Jay Simpson's not a center forward. No. Uh, Roland Albert is not really a 10. Yeah. Bedoya is just sort of a, a yeah. utility guy, you know, yeah. who does a lot of things well, but never really had a great position, started yeah. as a winger. Uh, it just, so it, it doesn't, it I doesn't, there's so many things that don't make sense. And they have three forwards and there are one forward system and they're all just like average forwards. So, I mean, CJ Sapong can be, can be good. Uh, Jay Simpson, we're not sure yet. And then there's Charlie Davies, and you're not going to play any of these two guys at the same time. So, like, why are you spending all this, well, it's a good all this money on these guys? Yeah, It's a good segue, because people wanted to know about the salary numbers, and those came out yesterday, Tuesday. We're taping on Wednesday. We should and really have Tannen Wold on for this segment. Could we no, call him, John, could call him John, up real yeah, quick? He had the whole He's thing, Mr. Salary. He had the whole thing written before it even <laughs> came out. You know, that's his uh, bread and butter. That, that, that is. Man. He um, loves it. But uh, why don't I pull it up here? Yeah. So I guess the one of the big things is that they're not I mean people like to say that Jay Sugarman doesn't spend money but they're pretty pretty much middle of the road I think they're like 11th they're like 11 teams that spend like uh, less than them yeah right? so uh, let me just go down through some of the new guys uh, well Roland Alberg around 300,000 Bedoya 1.1 million which we knew Harris Madunin and Jay Simpson are both around 450 460 um yeah. Yeah, that number hurts for Jay Simpson. And that, that's one of the toughest ones. Yeah, Wynaldum, like 78 guaranteed for Wynaldum. And that's not and, bad. And I mean, I'm, we assumed he was a big signing, but I guess he's not. he was not a big signing. So Yeah, and Onyewu, 65. Um, so they got him at a minimum. And Wynaldum doesn't look so bad sitting on the bench when you know you're not paying him a ton right. of money. But Simpson. Um, Simpson, yeah. First and foremost, you know, Piotti, since we were talking about him earlier, Nacho Piotti only makes 450. <laughs> Is he better than Jay Simpson? And uh, it's it's the, the funny thing there is that I think it's, it's a more about I think it's more about Piotti being underpaid. Oh, yeah, definitely. Versus Simpson being overpaid, but um, you know it begs the question. It's like if you could afford four fifty on Simpson as a Tam level striker, then what is another four hundred thousand dollars to get to get up to that 
eight hundred to one million dollar right. range for a legitimate DP. And also, what does Charlie Davies make? You combine the salaries for Simpson. Yeah, pull, yeah, you combine the salaries for uh, Simpson and Davies. You're even closer to that like one million dollar. I mark. always get nervous when I minimize the uh, recorder here because I think the whole thing's gonna fall apart. <laughs> but okay, so Charlie Davies. He's, uh, he's a little over 100. Uh, one hundred. One no, like one one fifteen guaranteed. Yeah. Warren Craval one thirty eight guaranteed. Brian. Yeah, Carroll, they have too much money on the bench. So okay, so that's and Gaddis and Gaddis is like one hundred something too. So, so say it's like half like, a mil on the bench right there. Yeah. Say you have like four hundred, yeah, like half a mil for those people plus a do Marisa do. Wow, yeah. So yeah, it's just right now they have too much money on the bench and, and they don't have enough money in, in the back line and they don't have a enough money on like a true so they, they, a true attacking player. They do have some nice some nice money ball numbers in there. They really do. Yeah. I mean, Giliano Wynaldum of twenty four year old left back, who, uh, I mean. That whole thing's just confusing to me because here's a guy who started and played 90 minutes in the 2013 Dutch Cup final. Yeah. You know, and played a full season for AZ at age like 21 or 22. And you're, so all of a sudden now this guy's not good enough to play for the Philadelphia Union. <laughs> like, what does that say? Does that say more about him or. It says more about it. Ah, Bobby, you can't you can't surpass Fabinho, man. He's too good. And P called, P called one. F- 14 or whatever yeah, is a he good should, he should be playing more yeah so i, I see for every they, they have a it's funny because every time you have like a wine for every wine on there or every pico on there then there's a brian carroll or a marisa do yeah you know and il senior even at five hundred thousand dollars is, is not performing uh up to his standards so where they've missed ironically is on the tam yeah, signings. You know, yeah. Simpson, Elsino, Alberg. The jury's out. Baxter, stop bump, bumping into the <laughs> thing here. So, do you think these numbers? Do these numbers tell you that maybe Jay Sugarman sometimes gets a bad rap? He's not quite as cheap as some say, and that a lot of the problems was just roster kind of management. Well, people always point with out like, having a bad off season. People or? always say like, "Well, they're like you know, in around middle of the pack when it comes to spending." But I don't, I don't give a shit about like what Houston spends or what San Jose spends or what these other middling teams spend. I, you know, I want to see the Philadelphia Union spend relative to what Toronto and Seattle and LA and all of them are because oh, it's because it's not. I, I don't care about that. It doesn't do anything. No, no Union fan wants to sit there and hear. Well, they spent more money yeah. than uh, than Columbus did. That's true. Who gives, Philly, a, who gives a shit? You know, yeah, Philly is, is a big market. So. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's not if if the standard that we're holding ourselves to is well, you know, we're gonna spend as much as as Columbus does. Yeah. Um, as my dog tries to knock over the mic stand here. But, so um, should we talk about the LA game? Since you mentioned that, I mean, they're they're slumping, but they have some big expensive players. I mean, they have Gio Dos Santos, they have Jermaine Jones, and they're going to be angry after losing that game 3 nothing. Alessandrini looks Alice, like a player. Oh, Alessandrini is yeah. one of the best players really in the league nice already. Player. Yeah. yeah. Um, he came in at like $1.2 million, I think, on the salary thing. Yeah. But, yeah, the funny thing about it is like they're they're slumping too. So yeah, they've lost <laughs> they've lost five out of seven games. So it's it's ironic because people are saying like, well, you know, the Union actually have a chance to win this one because LA is not that good. But they're also looking to, you know, it's funny because you go into Big Soccer or Union Reddit or whatever the hell, and people, you know, give the Union this nickname, Slump Buster, right? Where it's <laughs> every team can get out of their funk when they play against yeah. Philly, and I don't, I, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah, what I mean, you, what, what's your prediction? Uh, yeah, I mean, they've won one time against LA ever, and we were both there. It was in 2012. Uh, Jack McInerney had a great backheel goal, who's now on the Galaxy. How did we both end up play. at that game, anyway? I, I you had, to, like, family yeah, out I used there? To like, I like taking trips there because my wife's parents live there, so I kind of worked it in, and it was a great game. Um, I, 
I think you like uh, drove down the California coast. Yeah, right? I had a yeah. free. Um, I had a free plane ticket because I got bumped off a. I got reaccommodated <laughs> off on a flight. Um, Did they drag you off by your neck? <laughs> <laughs> no, I volunteered. Okay. I was in Grand Rapids, and they're like, oh, we need you to stay in a hotel overnight. So they paid for the hotel and uh, gave me a free plane ticket. And so I was like, whatever, I'll go do the uh, Pacific Coast Highway. And then I was yeah. like, well, the L.A. game's going on here. So, yeah, it was you and me uh, and Kara Joffa yeah. sitting That was a fun the, game to cover. I remember we were talking to Hackworth like, outside the locker room, and then we were inside, and they were all raving about Jack had a great goal, and then Michael Farfin had a really nice goal to win it. That was, that was a fun game. Yeah, I think we saw, and I think we saw Danny Califf out there too, because wasn't he playing? Wasn't he traded what, to yeah. Chivas or something? Maybe we did. So we saw him standing yeah. outside the locker room. I remember I was there for. I think I was there for a 2010 or 2011 game, and I remember seeing uh, Jordan Harvey's parents, and I was talking to them. Oh, okay, yeah, there you go. <laughs> they yeah. live out there because yeah, he was a California guy, yeah. right? Um, okay. Yeah, they used to have a lot of California guys. But, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of this game, I mean, Gio Dos Santos is, is in a big slump. He, he only has one goal. He hasn't scored since the first game. But I feel like he's probably, he's probably going to break that against this Union defense. So, so what's the what's score here? I mean, should we just keep picking a win until they finally win? I mean, what's the difference at this point? Just say it. They're due. <laughs> they're due. Yeah, they're due. They're due. Union are due. Chris Pontius is due. They're going to have a huge win. 2-1. Chris Pontius, game-winning goal. That's not. <laughs> I'll gonna, say that's two, not going to happen. <laughs> in his return to uh, Yorba Linda, yeah. I'll say uh, I'll say two-one Galaxy. I just don't. That makes more sense. Yeah, I just think it'll probably be the same kind of thing where they come out with a good game plan, but just not enough to um to back it up there. All right, let's um let's do the ESPN thing, oh, and okay. then do the uh, questions. You want to do that? Sure. Yeah. We just wanted to talk a little bit about the um. So as of now, as of taping. Uh, ESPN is in the midst of firing a hundred people from all different platforms, right? Like their web. It seems like TV a lot of TV reporters. Side. Ed yeah. Werder, yeah. Ed Werder's one of them. Dana O'Neill, who was local, she did a lot of Villanova stuff. I think she wrote for the Daily News back. Yeah, in the day. she did. She she was she, she's really good. She's a good college, hey, good college basketball. Yeah, journalist. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, they also got rid of like most of their hockey coverage. It looks like, which I'm not surprised about because ESPN didn't really do anything with hockey anyway. They don't have any broadcast rights for it. So internally, as a business, it really doesn't make a ton of sense for them to put a lot of resources into hockey since all of the hockey rights are with NBC uh, at this point. Um, but it's just, you know, when I when I look at it. And I've every TV station that I've worked at has had layoffs. Um, I, I think it's more than anything. The disappointing thing about it is that it seems like the the idiotic talking heads like Stephen A. Smith, yeah, um, they are were willing to fine while yeah. they go down this first take, you know, hot take kind of journalism. But, while these good reporters are right. getting laid off, they were willing to pay Skip Bayless like five million to stay, and then he went to Fox, and they're willing to do that, and they can't afford Dana. O'Neill, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that well, doesn't that sit too well all, with me. It? I mean, I, and I don't <laughs> think people say ESPN took a turn. I mean, I, I, I think most people, most sports fans who are like our age were probably, probably grew up on Stuart Scott and, um, you know, who was his main anchor that he was with a lot? He, he was with Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen. And before that, it was Craig Kilborn, Keith Kilborn, Oberman, Dan yeah. Patrick. Yeah, Steve I used to love Levy. I used yeah. to love watching SportsCenter. Yeah. I'd wake up before high school at like 6 a.m. I'd watch the first 40 minutes of, of a SportsCenter. But, but that's changing, too. I mean, people don't get their highlights from ESPN anymore they on don't. TV. So. They don't. And and that's part of it, too. I mean, they though, a lot of the reason when people say, well, ESPN you know, went away from their bread and butter um, – 
they, there was a reason for that. It's because younger people, uh, like the people who probably listen to this podcast, you know, you can get highlights on your phone and on Twitter and, you know, read stories on your, your mobile devices or whatever. It's not, it's not as necessary as it once was. It's just like working in the news business. I worked in TV for like nine years, and how many people are sitting there at 11 o'clock at night yeah. waiting to hear what Jim Gardner has to say? I mean, it used to be a lot bigger than it is now. So a lot of this is necessity, but it's, again, it's disappointing to see that, you know, like a guy like Ed Werder yeah. is fired bef- the day before the draft. The draft. <laughs> <laughs> like that, is, that is weird. Time, hockey man. guys. I'm interested to see what they do with soccer because again, ES- need, ESPN yeah. has rights to soccer games. So yeah. I don't know if the ESPN FC guys, um, they do a good job. I mean, we, I thought with Taylor Twelman coming uh, last week for the, uh, for the um, union game, like interviewing Bedoya in the, uh, in the van, what's that called? The like boot room or something? Oh, uh, the in the bus. That, yeah, the, the yeah, bus. The I, I thought they did a pretty good job, and I respect ESPN a lot for, for what they did with soccer. I mean, they had a guy, I think uh, John Skipper, who just really cared about soccer, and he did a good job with the uh, with the um, World Cup, like the last two or three World Cups. I thought was yeah. was very and well again, done. That's changing. You know, they lost the World Cup. Now it's Fox, right? Soccer coverage is is justified because of the changing demographics in this country. You yeah. know, more younger kids are watching soccer, and fewer are watching ice hockey. And it is it is what it is. You know, so so are you saying ESPN should hire you to fill the void left by all the firings? Take it. Let me, let me, let me, let me <laughs> say this. Take it from somebody. I've been fired like three times from three different jobs, and every single in the past week. Yeah, in the past <laughs> week. Yeah. Every single time I've been fired, like I've been fine and I've ended up in a better situation. So I'm not I'm not saying like anybody is uh should feel feel good about it or whatever, but this this stuff is always natural and even and you can say whatever you want to say about first take and uh you know these these talking heads that still have a job and stuff like that. But the the business a lot of the reason a lot of the reasons for the business evolving was because of that demographic shift and technology and yeah, things like that. Sure. So now, now, now I'm interested to see what, what comes next for them. You yeah. Know? More uh, soccer, more soccer. I would think less ice hockey, but those ice hockey people will find, find a place, yeah. you know? All right. Good segue to our questions. Uh, let's see. All right, here we go. Some, some Twitter questions. Uh, thanks again f- for sending these. We got a lot, uh, the last few podcasts and, Kind of makes it nice. Um, Alex McCoyd, is that how you say it? Uh, what's going on with Keegs and summer transfers? Anything on them? Uh, with Keegan, uh, we, we asked Jim about that in a press conference this week. It sounds like it might have been just a one-game thing just to kind of kind of send a message. Um, I, he said, I mean, if they're going to break out of this slump, it's a lot. Uh, they're going to like rely on Rosenberry, right? I, I don't think it's a long-term thing. Guys yeah, for I, Rosenberry, right? I feel like uh, Jim was more... Re- uh, that's not the word reticent. No, uh, was more inclined to bench Keegan probably because he's been with him for a long time. Yeah, and he's known him since he was a kid, right? So he probably said, "I feel comfortable," you know, that giving sense, him a yeah. break. Keegan's been like he can handle it. Keegan's been run ragged too. Yeah, I mean, like that. That's it's not. It's he had not, no break. He's, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not U.S. camp. Un, it's not. It's not. Um, I can't find what the hell word I'm looking for. It's not unusual for for a guy to hit a wall like that. When you know the same thing happened to Jack when he went to the the Gold Cup, you know, and then he had some some struggles when he came back, but he eventually got it turned around at the end of that year. And uh, summer transfers. I mean, are they going to want to make a transfer if they're like so far down the standings where it doesn't even matter? I mean, it could be a good time to find a player for like next season. I mean, that's how they got uh, Bedoya. That they've gotten a few good players in the summer, but um. I don't know. Yeah, I really don't know because last year they did. Who did they sign last? Did they sign anybody last summer? 
Yeah, it was Bedoya. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, they yeah. did get the Bedoya thing done. And, and then the then, Charlie Davies trade. Yeah. Um, I think the Bedoya thing was probably more of a product of that's just when they could yeah. get him. I think that they wanted to do it earlier. No, they definitely wanted to do it earlier, but... They've got a lot of guys in the summer. I mean, Barnetta, right? Freddie Adu. A lot of their big guys they've gotten yeah, that's true. in the middle of the season. So, I mean, Honestly. I'm okay with it as long as it's not just like a half-year thing. If they can get a guy to like a two-and-a-half-year deal, who's good? Aaron Johansson, maybe. <laughs> Alex Armstrong says, how sad and alarming is it that Steel FC can't win games with eight starting players being, quote, MLS guys? I think it's pretty sad. <laughs> Steel put, Steel's been playing just as bad as a union. Oh, have. man. You know, Fabian Herbert was starting pens, for him yeah. the other day. Adam Najem was starting for him. What's uh, their record? I haven't even looked. Uh, Not good. I don't know. I Yeah, I haven't been watching a ton of Steel, to be honest. So. Yeah, we already have to watch the union. So. That's correct. <laughs> um. A few questions more on the salary. Uh, Matt Thornton, salary hot takes. Uh, Gucci at, at 65. Can you talk about how the uh, union payroll is right in the middle of the pack? They just overpay mediocre players. Someone else says the player salaries doesn't seem to um, like a money ball. Uh, the only good figure is uh, Richie Marquez at uh, 139. And he got, I think Richie um, got a little bit of a raise. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I, so, I'm, I'm, yeah I mean, my my lazy ass should have pulled up last year's numbers and <laughs> did the did the full thing, but I think John probably already did that anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's we we talked about this. It's not there are a couple of pretty good ones in there, but a lot of bad ones too. So. Garrett says, um, can you explain some of the basics of the MLS salary? <laughs> <laughs> right. I would. I'll let you I handle really that. Would. It's just. It's really. There's a lot of complications. We'll have another forty-five minute podcast yeah. for that. Um. I. I and mean, honestly, I really don't know a lot about it. If if we're for being yeah. completely fair here. Andrew Dillon wants to know why Chris Albright sat in on Curtin's press conference yesterday and where Frank Gallup ends up. He just left Phoenix, right? He yeah. left Phoenix to be with his family. Yeah, and I would be, California, f- right? I would be very he, he surprised if Frank friggin' Yallop was the <laughs> replacement for... Uh, he was good friends with uh, Peter Novak, I remember. I think I did a feature on that like, yeah, back in 2010. Yeah, because they played against yeah. each other and coached against each other, yeah. Because Frank Yallop was in MLS back in 96, I think. Yeah. Uh, Chris Albright, yeah, that was interesting to see him. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't really consider Chris Albright Jim Curtin's boss. I kind of see them more on like equal footing, so I don't think Albright was there to like watch over jim really he, he might yeah. have just been there because they're like friends and colleagues ernie and... yeah and for more context too ernie comes into the post game uh pressers right. and he stands on the back wall and he watches um <laughs> but chris albright usually is not around uh, he hasn't talking to them talking to he hasn't spoken to the media in a long time chris albright yeah everyone's talking about simpson adu bedoya senior but how is carol and davies making over a hundred thousand each and not even close to playing for the union yeah i mean, that I mean well. brian they they're both behind a lot of players. That, that's what I was talking about before. I mean, Brian Carroll, he probably could help this team right now, to be honest. He was pretty good last year. But they have they have um, Ali Bedoya, uh, Harris, and, and then Do, and then there's a Warren Carval and Derek Jones. They have, like, their three most accomplished players, their best homegrown, and two and, – and in two veterans for two spots right if we're now. being completely honest here i know a lot of people have talked about maybe moving bedoya out to the wing and yeah. bringing Derek jones back on but if you want to protect harris madunian the guy who's going to do the best job of that <laughs> is well i'd say warren Carval. yeah Carval. yeah you know yeah. um um and then charlie davies i mean someone else asked about this too is that is that one of the worst moves ernie's made i mean the trade for davies is for a first round pick it looks pretty bad right now, and especially you uh, resigned yeah. them. So they're gonna not if they if they finish in last place this year and don't have a first round pick because of a guy who doesn't even play. That's I think it's funny because they made, bad. they when they made the Keegan and Josh and Fabian draft, they 
then started dealing draft picks right. thinking that they wouldn't have to use that yeah, mechanism exactly. again. Because they, wouldn't, they didn't think, number one, they didn't think this, they would be this shitty. Number two, they also th- thought that they would replace that mechanism with the academy. Right. So it is ironic then that they're back to a position yeah. where they could use it. It almost seemed like they re-signed Charlie Davis this year because they're like, they kind of figured like we traded a first round pick for him. He only had a few games here. Like like we might as well like we resign gotta him. Justify it, yeah. Yeah, they had yeah. justify it. But it, looking back on it, it doesn't really seem that smart um, unless he's gonna play. Doopie Brothers says, which union player does Baxter most look like or act like? He he's pretty skinny, small. Yeah, he weighs about forty pounds. A little um, pest. Uh, you think Gaddis? Yeah, I could say uh, Ray Gaddis or uh, Jack Elliott because he's lean. <laughs> <laughs> he's long and lean. He's usually pretty calm. Have you heard of Bark yet no. during this taping? No. And have you heard of Ray Gaddis Bark? I haven't. No. Baxter Bark. Or Jack Elliott. Baxter Bark once if you have something to say. If you're from Milwaukee. If you're Milwaukee. <laughs> Is that the Anchorman line? Yeah. Bark twice from Milwaukee. Is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't remember the line. Um what else we got in here? Whoa, what is this? Craig, what's the details about um, Richie Graham trying to buy out Sugarman a while back? I, not, I didn't hear that. Have you? Uh, yeah, I've heard some stuff behind the scenes that Richie has shown an interest in being, having more he, of a say. And He'd be great. And I know he has a brother or two. Um, I know Curtin likes them all. Uh, Richie Graham has done great things at uh, YSC. If you guys don't know who he is... Um, he has a lot of money, loves soccer, talks a lot about the US winning like the World Cup. Like, um he he'd be a good he'd be a good primary owner for sure. Yeah, it's a good column. I maybe I gotta write that or start making some phone calls or something. Because Richie just a little bit of background, Richie's family has money and uh his firm uh, that backs YSC is called Striker Partners. And um they do some kind of business in investment whatever the high all the all the all the financial world stuff is like a like a foreign language to me but they do people were basically asking do they have the money if, if richie graham was the owner of this team the principal owner of this team would he have uh would he be able to make investments beyond what jay sugarman can can afford on you know players and stuff like that my answer is yes yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not. Maybe. I don't think you're looking at Toronto FC kind of money. You're not looking at Maple Leaf uh, Sports and Entertainment. Yeah. Uh, money, but yeah, Richie Graham would put more money and, into and, it than than Jay Sugarman. And it would make sense. He's here. I mean, Jay Sugarman's still in New York. I mean, I don't know. He's local. Yeah. He's local. Union love a local reference. <laughs> he's Union, a, union he, fans. Love he's Philly local. tough, Richie Graham. He is. Um, how union would it be for Jack Mack to score on us this weekend? That would be pretty union Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Kurt and Alpha will go that route, but uh, Bruce Arena might have. He might He might play Jack if Gio's not scoring and it's late in the game, right? Um, I think that's just about Do it. Do they have Zardes back, or is he still injured? Yeah, he played last week. Oh, he did play last week. It, yeah. it was shows him. you how much I've been paying attention. Yeah, it was him and Gio, but they got killed by Seattle. Did you watch any of that game? Yeah. yeah. Seattle had, had Lodera. Jordan Morris and Clint Dempsey just running riot, just basically playing yeah. where the union have Chris Pontius, Roland Alberg, and uh, yeah. El Senio. That shows you. That's a shame. That shows you the difference between yeah. Seattle and Philly. Uh, Michael Frazier, make this last question. Make a prediction. Will Union break the all-time regular season winless streak of eighteen games? They stand at fourteen. Is it eighteen? I thought it was nineteen. Well, and then do we count the playoffs? Because it, it's fourteen. I don't think you count the playoffs. Playoff. It, it, it's fourteen without the playoffs and fifteen with. So. 
Uh, I would. I guess it would be relative to what those other streaks yeah. were. Like if you went back and looked up that Metro Stars winless streak from back in the day, which I thought was nineteen. Well, I don't, don't imagine it would include the playoffs then. Would it? That's yeah. the funniest thing, because how does a winless streak also include a playoff game? Because theoretically, if you're that bad, how are you any anywhere close to the playoffs? Yeah. You know? <laughs> but that's just that just goes to show how stupid it is that you let 12 out of 20 teams into the postseason and why last, last year was a joke. Yeah. Anything um, else on there? Are you guys still paid shills for the team? Oh, that hurts. Oh, who <laughs> said that one? Uh, Rich Ransom. <laughs> oh, so Rich is joking. Okay. Is he? Yeah, Rich is joking. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... Uh, but to answer the question, no, we're not. We're not <laughs> Are we even paid? Well, that's <laughs> a, that could be, yeah, yeah. So if, if ESPN uh, came looking for union reporters to lay off, we would not even be worried. <laughs> the money. If ESPN so, needs a soccer podcast, we'll give them ours for like $1. Yeah, maybe there's an opportunity here to uh, get in there. All right. Well, I think that's it. Did we get all the questions yeah, here? I think, okay. Yeah. Do you see any more? I think that's it. Uh, uh, the union are flying really out, I think, as we speak. Um, hopefully, they get uh, good seats on the flight. Uh, and no one's left behind like that one time. Yeah. No what candy. year was that? When no, you were left buying candy. candy and, buying candy. Uh, yeah, Shane and, and uh, yeah. Keon Daniel and uh, somebody else. Yeah, that was a bad time. As bad as it is now, just remember, there have been a lot of other bad times for the Union. <laughs> that doesn't well, help the fans. I do feel bad for the fans right now. They seem to. Well, you know, I I think the funny thing is when you, you anger, anger and, you know, frustration is one thing. But I I think the sense of apathy there, if they don't, if no changes happen, then there's no real reason for fans to come down there. So stadium was half empty. On a crappy day on Saturday, one o'clock, probably see more of that. Yeah, yeah. All right. On that note, uh, <laughs> on that uplifting note, thanks. Uh, thanks again, everybody, for um, listening. Yeah. Podcast has been doing well. Uh, for Baxter, I'm Stephen A. Smith, <laughs> alongside Max Kellerman. Oh, and man. Thanks for watching. First take.